Uh, Mary Krishna, I guess this is live. Um, okay, there's a devotee here, Krishna Chandra from New York. He's going to be asking me some questions, and I thought, might as well let everybody else listen if they want. Okay, first question. Okay. All right, Krishna, they're in no particular order, um, and some are basic questions and a little bit more involved. Um, like the first. Let's see, maybe you could um, make sure they hear your question. Maybe you could. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Back a little bit. A little bit. No. Okay. He's going to ask a question. So the first question is: uh, Is the sari Vedic? What was uh, Draupadi wearing when Krishna supplied the never-ending call? Oh, simple. Oh my God, is the sari Vedic? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not mentioned in the Shastra, and it is mentioned in the Shastra that the gopis, for example, wore belts. And people generally don't wear belts with saris, so yeah, it's not mentioned explicitly. As far as Draupadi, we've discussed that many other times. So uh, you can look up Draupadi in the Bhagavatam, see what it says. Next. So uh, the next question is a three-tier question, um, and it's about the mantra. What does mantra mean? You don't know that? No, this is for not. Oh, no, no. Just ask questions that you ask. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Why is the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra more powerful than Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mantra? Uh, Hare Krishna Mantra is not competing with Sri Krishna Chaitanya. We just chant both of them. So if I wanted to chant. The- Prabhupada gave us a kirtan format. And so we follow it. It's not a. It's not like you know, Vaikuntha's Got Talent or something, where there's some kind of song competition going on. Can someone chant Sri Krishna Chaitanya um, on the beats? We follow Prabhupada. It's very simple. That's what it means that Prabhupada is the founder of Acharya. Prabhupada chanted the Mahamantra on his beats, and so that's what we do. It's uh, fortunately we have someone to follow, so it's really simple. Okay. Um, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, it states that Lord Vishnu glances and he creates. Yes. And um, so uh, the question, uh, it's, it's sort of, there's many tears to this question, but why did the jiva fall from the kunta? Oh, we're doing simple, non-controversial questions. Why did the jiva fall? Um This, of course, is a big controversy, and people have different opinions on it. Uh, I simply follow what Krishna says in the Bhagavatam. In uh, fourth canto, chapter 28, uh, verses, I think, 51 through 53, where Krishna says to the jiva that you rejected me, you left me, and came to this world. So, of course, the, the people always endlessly ask the question, if the spiritual world so nice, why would we leave there, and so on and so forth. Um, Prabhupada emphasized that we always have free will. It's not that you leave the spiritual world and take birth as a monkey or something, or as you know, or as a frog. There are, for example, there is a Vaikuntha planet in this universe. Prabhupada used to talk about a local Vaikuntha planet. There are heavenly planets where the life is not that different you could say from the spiritual world in the sense that everyone is very beautiful and they have all kinds of happiness. They're all very pious. So 
it's not that a soul in the spiritual world wants to become a worm or wants to become a, I don't know, a tarantula. It's just um, Krishna has given us free will and so we can exercise our free will. It seems to me that um, it's not like, I mean, being in the spiritual world is not like being on drugs where it's just, it's so much, it's so, it's so much pleasure that why would you give it up? It's not that Krishna bribes us with pleasure. He gives us so much gratification that why would anyone give up that gratification? So it's just, um, so when you're choosing the spiritual world, it's not just that you're choosing the highest pleasure. It's not that the, the, the intelligent question is why would someone choose a lower pleasure, even a slightly lower pleasure over a higher pleasure. It's not, it's not hedonism. It's not just trying to find the greatest pleasure. It's really about, uh, do you choose to worship as opposed to being, to being worshiped? Do you choose to live in a world where you are not the center? And so that's, that's really the question, actually. It's not, why would we choose a lower pleasure? It's not about choosing between pleasures. It's about choosing between devotion versus being pious and having some devotion, but also having a greater degree of independence, you could say, or at least what appears to be a greater degree of independence. If we're part and parcel of the Lord, um, what's the purpose of him manifesting in all these different forms or jivas? What would the purpose be of him glancing and wanting to um, experience his own pleasure potency? Uh, Krishna is not trying to enjoy. He's not trying to enjoy his potency. Sometimes people misunderstand that, that Krishna creates the world or expands Jivas because he wants to enjoy. First of all, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that we've always existed. So there's, there's not some moment in material time when Krishna's thinking, hey, I've got a great idea. I'm going to make some jivas. So there is no such moment. Krishna, Krishna eternally exists, and Krishna eternally exists with unlimited potencies. One of his potencies is the superior potency of the jiva. And Krishna manifests innumerable, independent, free souls that have their own free will. And we eternally exist. I guess it would be sort of like an inconceivable concept of why this, why I guess that spark comes off. The, 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 no, no, again, I think we're not really getting it here. The spark doesn't come off Krishna. It's not at a certain point. Uh, we just, we, no, that's not the point. The spark comes when we're, if we came to the, if we come to the material world and then we didn't win the grand prize and we have to come back again to another creation, then we come out from Mahavishnu. Some people who I guess consider themselves to be real geniuses say that actually we're not originally with Krishna, we are originally in Mahavishnu or something like that. And um, the descriptions, all the descriptions in the Shastra that talk about coming from Mahavishnu are talking about new creations when the universe, you know, when time is up in this universe, the bell rings and time is up on the universe, 
then we go into the, those souls who are still here, didn't win the grand prize yet, they go into the body of Mahavishnu. And when another creation takes place, they come out again. But it's not that as eternal souls at one point, we emanated from Krishna, like, you know, one second before that moment, we didn't exist, or we didn't exist as individual souls. Krishna clearly says in the Gita that we have always existed. Never was there a time when he did not exist, nor us. So it's just an eternal fact that there is a supreme person and there are innumerable jiva souls who are part of him. That's a, just an eternal fact. You have said before that uh, Krishna, the triple O God, uh, omniscient, uh, uh, omnipresent, or omnipotent, and um, omnibenevolent. Yes. So if he's omnibenevolent, why um, allow? In, 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 in conversation with someone, I heard one time that uh, we go through 10 million life forms before we realize. Uh, really? Krishna. I'm not sure if you. If no, you that's not. Uh, no. No. Or even if it's not 10 million life forms. A lot. A lot of lives, 8,400,000 species. species of varieties of forms. If Including Krishna, Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> uh, if. Krishna is triple O and truly omnibenevolent. Why allow the jiva to have the opportunity? To because of Krishna, because Krishna would simply be causing a greater evil. I mean, would you like to not have free will? Would you like to be a robot without free will? I mean, think about that. Would you like to give up your free will? Not, not me. Yeah, so if someone loses their free will, then they're not even a person anymore. So to say that why didn't Krishna create us so that we don't have free will, why? Because that would be horrible. That would be a terrible thing to do. And whatever evil there is in suffering in this world, it would be much greater, at least here, no matter how much we're suffering, there's a chance that we can become purified, we can be liberated. But if you have no free will, if you're just a machine, then you're nothing. Then there are no future possibilities at all. So why would anyone want that? And why would Krishna... It's like, you know, you can, if you want a beautiful girl to fall in love with you, just create a robot, you know, just create a... Or just buy some kind of, you know, beautiful female robot and program it to tell you how much it loves you and see how much emotional satisfaction there is in that. So Krishna is not, you know, he's not weird and twisted. He's not, not that he created all kinds of robots who say, we love you, Krishna. I mean, you could just, you know, you could arrange your computer just to say nice things about you, but you'd have to be a pretty goofy individual to derive emotional satisfaction out of that. Um, right. Uh, can you tell me, uh, Harinam, is it sacrifice, charity, or penance? No, it's all three, depending on the circumstance. It's all three. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's a sankirtan yagya, as we say. It's a sankirtan. It's an it's an offering to Krishna, the holy names. It involves some austerity to do it, and it's certainly the greatest charity. It's uh, is would we consider Harinam as transcendental beyond charity and sacrifice? Well, charity, penance, and sacrifice can be transcendental. 
they're not mundane. Either they can be spiritual or material. Um, in reference to chapter 17 of the Bhagavad Gita, text 28, you said that people uninterested in Harinam don't receive Sukriti. Is that correct? That people who, when we go out, when the Hare Krishnas go out and they do Harinam, expecting to save the world this uh, by. In other words, people can't be, um, people have to participate in their own salvation. There may be some benefit in just walking down the street and the sound of Krishna's name goes into your ear, even though you have no idea what it is, you're not interested. But what we can see by the results of the Hare Krishna movement around the world is it doesn't seem to be enough to make this movement successful in most places. And so if you look at Bhagavad Gita, Krishna uh, is giving intelligent arguments to Arjuna, trying to persuade him to do the right thing. So people have to participate consciously in their own salvation. We can't just manipulate people where they have no idea what's happening to them and we just sort of, we manipulate them into their own salvation. That's not really what Krishna is talking about. And Krishna says in chapter 17, verse 28 of the Gita, that any religious activity, including sacrifice, in which people don't really believe in what they're doing has very little effect in this life or the next. So I'm not denying there is such a thing as a Gata Sukriti, but Prabhupada said that uh, we can speculate, not mental speculation, which means you speculate whether or not the Shastra is true, but we try to understand how is it true. He gave the example of Krishna's the taste in water, so you can speculate. What does that mean? So uh, Krishna says in the Gita that he reciprocates with us, and he's equal to everyone. And so people do have to consciously participate in their own salvation. Ultimately, to make significant spiritual advancement, people have to choose it. They have to do the right thing. They can't just be unconsciously manipulated. And so I think if this movement spend more time trying to persuade people rather than just sort of manipulate them without their knowing what's happening to them, we might actually have more success. How do we reconcile? Um, <clears throat> so, so some of these questions that I, I'm asking are sort of questions that have come up between other friends or other folks. Um, so, and one thing that they brought up is... Oh, before I say that, I'd like to say hello to Kurvanti, Davy Dossi, and her co-workers at the Trinity County Chamber of Commerce. So thank you all for listening. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so how, how do we reconcile um, that with the statements of the Sakanda Purana? Skanda Purana? Yeah. Um, where it says, the holy name of Lord Krishna is the most auspicious of all auspicious things, and the sweetest of all sweet things. It is completely spiritual without any touch of matter, and it is transcendental. Yes, whatever Krishna's name is, you have to voluntarily accept it. That's the point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Krishna is non-different. God is non-different from his name. 
So if God is great, then the name of God is great, but you have to voluntarily accept it. You can't just be manipulated because some Hare Krishna cleverly caused you to hear the name and you have no idea what it is, and you're not interested, but still he's got you. You know, it's like, one of those, it's like the supreme gotcha moment. <laughs> and so uh, again, I think that um, the Hare Krishna movement needs to really spend its time trying to persuade people rationally to take up bhakti yoga rather than just trying, rather than trying to manipulate people by doing things where they don't really understand what's happening. That is not working very well. If you open your eyes and look at how the Hare Krishna movement is doing, I think it's obvious that it's, it's not like, it's not a great success. Whoops. Telemarketers. So let's, I'm sure we're all very grateful for telemarketers. They make all of our lives that much happier. So then there was, some, let's see, someone else who asked a question here. Why is it so hard? This is Benny Folsa. Why is it so hard to chant if you've fallen into sinful activity? Well, it sometimes becomes difficult to even pronounce the names. Um, because chanting the names of God in, in any language is a privilege. And uh, it's just like, why is it hard to drive when you're drunk? So if we're drunk on all kinds of, you know, lust or intoxicants, it's going to be hard to spiritually drive. So, yeah, friends don't let friends drink and chant, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the idea. Um, can you, uh, Claire, also oh, clarify? I can tell the whole table. Oh. I can just <laughs> Can you also clarify, um, I, I, I know you said that, is it the nectar of devotion, chapter six, nectar of devotion, when you talk, speak about things that we don't change with the philosophy? Yes. And so, it, are you referring to everything in chapter six or just the first five items? Or okay, uh, for those, of, yeah, chapter six of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which Prabhupada translated as the nectar of devotion, uh, by Rupa Goswami, says that there are basic spiritual principles that we don't change and there are details we do. For example, obviously, God doesn't, is not like deeply concerned about how you dress. I mean, I hope that's not a shock to anyone. I mean, he is concerned, obviously, you should dress decently. I mean, you know, we should dress in a decent way. But to say that God is deeply concerned that you wear Indian clothes as opposed to Western clothes, it's like, Seriously? So Prabhupada also taught that, yeah, obviously these things are not that important. There are things that are important. For example, there's great power in the names of God. Therefore, you find virtually in every major world religion, including Buddhism, by the way, if you look at Pure Land Buddhism, that uh, the name, the holy name of the deity is given great importance. So the idea is that God is present in, in the name of God. And so in every major religion, the uh, name is considered holy. In Hebrew, they say, Baruch Shem Kavod, blessed is the holy name of God forever and ever. So, and uh, so in every, really, so yeah, God is present in his name. That's uh, something that virtually every major religion understands that. Last question. Last question? Yes. Um, let's see. Which one's Let's see if you win our grand prize. Yes. Well, 
Uh, I just have two questions. Is that okay? For the price of For one. The price of one. <laughs> well, so should one always think of Krishna even when evacuating or breaking any of the four regular principles in the act? Wow, I guess we're getting pretty graphic and uh, earthy here. Uh, should we? Yeah, we should always think of God, and if we think of God, then maybe we, you know, we'll do the right thing. So, if there's a lot of a lot of folks, I mean, obviously, we don't. We can't Krishna read. said, Prabhupada said, and Prabhupada said one time that if someone is an alcoholic, they should try to meditate on Krishna in the taste of their liquor. So. Anyway, the point is that thinking of God, remembering God, will purify us and ultimately elevate us. So we have to dig ourselves out somehow. Last question? Last question. Um, why do we sing the mantras in Sanskrit or Bengali, like the samsara, the etc.? Why can't we sing it, sing some of the prayers in English? Oh, good. This is, I guess, Hare Krishna Vatican II or something. Um, first of all, we are preserving an ancient, you could say, eternal tradition. And so I think there is something uh, valuable in the fact that devotees of Krishna all around the world, in every country in the world, perhaps except North Korea, although I, I cannot confirm or deny that there are Hare Krishna devotees in North Korea, but really, all around the world, um, devotees are participating, taking part in the same practice, the same practice. So there's something very powerful in that. And uh, our, our scriptures originally, most of them are in Sanskrit. As far as the Bengali songs, they were written by great souls. And so, we, and so we're preserving a tradition. At the same time, obviously, in addition to that, not instead of that, we should have songs in our own language. The reason that great teachers wrote songs or books in Bengali was because that's what everybody understood, at least in some parts of India. And so, ultimately, and that's why Prabhupada translated the Bhagavatam. So we have all of our texts in English or in all the other languages. And so whenever we have a class, we give the class in the native language, and we read the scriptures in the native language. So it's not just Sanskrit and Bengali. And eventually, probably, um, devotees will figure out that we should write songs that the audience can actually understand. I mean, eventually, that will occur to someone. And, I mean, it has occurred. Obviously, some devotees have written songs in our languages, but we need more of it, not to replace our basic program, but to augment it. So, thank you very much, Mara. Yeah, so I'd also like to thank, where can we ask? I'd like to thank everybody who was um, participating. Let me see here. Uh, Marcus Santos says, Hare Krishna Maharaj. That's me, Maharaj. Could you talk a little bit? A little about bhakti and marriage, how to do devotional service and deal with family issues. Oh, family issues. Um, well, you do the best you can. Obviously, if you are in a marriage and you are serious about Krishna consciousness and your partner is also serious about Krishna consciousness, then it's easy. You just 
cooperate together and work together and figure it out. If you're in a marriage where your partner is not as Krishna conscious or not Krishna conscious at all, then it's, of course, it's a little more challenging. But in all these situations, uh, we just do the best we can. Have to be intelligent. Then Benjamin Aratya, I don't know if I pronounce his name right, Aratya, is, is Krishna concerned about the regulative principles? Krishna's concerned about our happiness. It's like, why is your mother concerned that you not eat poison? You know, she just, why? Because she doesn't want you to poison yourself. So Krishna is not concerned about just rules for their own sake. Krishna wants us to be happy. And every good parent knows that unless the children follow certain rules, they're not going to be happy. So the answer is no, Krishna's not concerned just about rules. He's concerned about our happiness, and therefore there's some rules to follow. Okay, a question in Portuguese. Okay. I mean, probably almost all of you understand Portuguese, but since one or two of you may not know Portuguese. That means what is the best and most effective manner to do Sankirtan, sort of outreach, today, nowadays, Ojinjia, nowadays. Uh, as they say, the truth is what works. A verdade, aquilo que funcione. Você tem que ver o que funcione. And uh, the, the criteria is that we want people to be happy. We don't want to, to use the old expression, burn out people. We don't want to disturb people. We don't want, we don't, don't want it to be a sort of a pirate victory where they, they buy a book from us, but they hate us for the rest of their lives or, or you know, they see the Sankirtan. We have to do Sankirtan in a way that people are comfortable and they don't think we're weird and bizarre. And so it would be nice if we are not weird and bizarre. So if any of us are weird and bizarre, we should work on that. So in other words, it's it's not like people are more purified, the public's more purified, the more exotic we are, the more Indian we are. That's uh, not really. The power is in Krishna's names, not in Indian clothes. There's no spiritual power just in dressing like an Indian, like, well, Indians don't dress that way anymore. So... Yeah, the power is not in clothes. The power is in Krishna's name. So find a way to glorify God. Find a way to distribute literature about God that is culturally appropriate so that people respect us and think well of us. Just, you know, figure that out. I'm sure you're all intelligent. So Hari Das, that's me, that's my... Uh, clandestine name. How do you muster the courage to preach boldly? Uh, I don't know. I don't really do much mustering. I just um, I just kind of speak. So somehow Krishna's making me speak in this way. Um, I guess we have to be a little detached. I guess if we're... I mean, there's two things. I, I'm not claiming that I have these virtues, but I think in order to really preach effectively, you have to have two qualities. Number one, you have to really care about people. You have to, in other words, it's not you just want to get up there and blah, blah, blah. You have to really care about the people. And so you want to speak in a way that they understand. And the other thing is you have to have a little, well, actually, I would say three things. The number will probably eventually go up to 108. But uh, so one thing is you have to really care about the people. 
Another thing is you kind of have to know what you're talking about. Uh, we shouldn't think that, well, because I joined the Hare Krishna movement, I know everything. So everything I say is perfect. That's, that's not a good start. So we should, we should care about the people and we should take the time and effort to understand people and, and present things in a way that, that makes sense to them. Hola, Dardura. That's an old friend of mine from Argentina. So and another thing is we, we should know what we're talking about. We should take the time to, we shouldn't just be total amateurs. In other words, uh, we should just, we should try to study. We should know what we're talking about. And we should care about people and uh, we should present things appropriately. Um, let's see, other questions here. Oh, someone saying, Mestre Evidencias, Pena Camilo Inglés es Zero. Usa Vida. Um, let's see, if a disciple, this is from Sanam Kajal. Uh, if a disciple sincerely tries to fulfill the order of the spiritual master, but fails to attain the desired result, does it mean that the disciple has failed in his duty? Well, I don't think anyone just fails. I mean, if you, if you try to do it, then you get, you get credit for trying. So it's not a complete failure. And uh, Prabhupada gave the example, it's like a little child that's a little baby is learning to walk. So the baby sort of tries to stand up and falls down and gets up and falls down and eventually learns to walk. So uh, if you're trying, that, that itself is success. Trying is a victory. Trying is success. And you do get credit. You get lots of credit for trying. So someone who's trying should never think they're a failure. You may not be there yet you may not have finished the race but you're not a failure you're just still a work in progress so this is from anish demon when we are not krishna conscious what are we what are we i guess we're non-krishna conscious we're we're conscious of something else and whatever else we're conscious of is not as beneficial as it would be to be krishna conscious and of course Krishna consciousness doesn't mean that you get like totally spaced out and don't stop at red lights or don't pay your taxes. I mean, to be Krishna conscious means that you have your eyes open. You see the world. You understand what's going on in the world, but you see it in relation to God, in relation to Krishna. So another point is when you're not Krishna conscious, it's, it's just like there's less light. For example, uh, when... The sun is going down at night in twilight and uh, you, you just can't see as well. You just can't see as well and uh, you may, if you're driving, you may crash. And so if you're not Krishna conscious, you're still, in a sense, everyone who's conscious is Krishna conscious because whatever you're conscious of ultimately comes from Krishna. But there, you're just not seeing clearly. For example, you may see a material object like a house or, or your own body or somebody else's body and you may think that is for my enjoyment whereas if you're Krishna conscious you see that's Krishna's energy and it's meant to be used in God's service so if you're not Krishna conscious you're still conscious it's just it's not clear you're not seeing things clearly so um, I think that's it I think I answered all the questions no refunds uh, so yeah, thank you for all listening. It's a pleasure. I am, in case you're interested, 
in Los Angeles, California. Uh, and uh, I'm here with Krishna Chandra, who's visiting from New York. Actually, I knew his parents. He's a Guru Kuli, right? And uh, thank you all very much for taking some of your valuable time to listen. And uh, and I hope to see you again soon. Hasta luego.